Well, welcome to another edition of the Source Podcast, the Week in Review. As always, it's come around very quickly. My name is Michael Crutcher, and I'm joined, as always, by Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hi, Michael. Now, Jordan, are you going to Bunnings this weekend, and are you going to get sausage, sizzle, and a vaccination? Uh, I'm not this weekend, but I'm booked in for next weekend to get my second jab, but... Uh I see that Queensland government's really pushing the Bunnings jab this weekend. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, so this is announcement uh, backed up with a press conference today at Bunnings uh, for vaccinations, COVID vaccinations to be at 12 different Bunnings centres across the state this weekend as Queensland attempts to ramp up the COVID vaccination rates across the state. Uh, as uh, New South Wales and Victoria uh, get close to their targets. Queensland is lagging behind a little bit, so we've got plenty of uh, vaccine supply now. So, oh, look, this is a fascinating announcement, not unsurprising, but I sort of liken it to my days as a newspaper editor, my time as editor of the Courier Mail, and sometimes you'd get a phone call every now and again from a very senior politician, very senior figure sometimes in... Uh, in likes of emergency services, who just had something that was concerning them about uh, human behaviour or something that had to be done. And sometimes a call to say, hey, can you just maybe find a way to try to help us get this message out, which yep. would often be the case. But this is this on steroids. This is probably, for me, it's a sign that they, there is concern about the vaccination rates. And what we're talking about here is essentially trying to get people to do something they may otherwise not do, which is, of course, the art of all audience engagement. How do you get people to do things that they may be disinclined to do? So making the access as easy as possible and, interestingly, going to Bunnings, which has such a high trust rate among Australian brands, one of the most trusted Australian brands in the different surveys that are done to find out about brands that you trust, the likes of Bunnings, Aldi, Coles, Woolworth all rate very highly. So I guess from a government point of view, it's a clear sign that they are concerned about the rate. The Chief Health Officer, Jeanette Young, has made that very clear that she is. I'm interested, Jordan, in, I guess, your age group and your friends and the people that you sort of move with I mean, I've had my vaccinations and had them done probably in July, I think. But it's a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. What about what about your sort of your demo, your ages, I guess, mm. and how you think that this type of um, of project by the government may work with your age or other ages? Yeah, my experience with people my age group in the vaccine has been pretty positive for the most part. There's certainly plenty that are anti-vaccine in that stereotypical sense they've they've done their own research or they're questioning you know how the vaccine came to be so quickly and all those sorts of things um so i think for for the most part really good experience really positive experience people are going out and getting jabbed they've been proactive about it um i think the the main driver for them is just wanting some normality back i know one of the big complaints that people who are less inclined to get the vaccine. They're saying that there's a lack of freedoms and they just want their freedoms back. And I suppose the people that I've dealt with more closely are sort of seeing that, you know, 
it's not so much you're losing your freedoms, but the way forward for everyone to be safe with those freedoms is to get that vaccine. And that's that's what I've seen mostly. So partnering with Bunnings, I think it's a great idea. Like you said, it's a really well-trusted Australian brand. Um, I know the Bunnings sausage sizzle is synonymous with my age group. It is, is it iconic. Really? It's iconic. Um, so I think attaching the jab... Uh, to the Bunnings Sausage Sizzle and the Bunnings brand as part of your otherwise normal weekend activities, a really good idea. That's a challenge, isn't it, for government with this? To get people vaccinated, there's clearly, as we said, a higher rate in the southern states, but they've had a good reason to because they've been locked down. They have. In Queensland, we're into these good spring weather, we're moving around... Um, we're going to NRL Grand Finals. Yeah. I went uh, up to Bundaberg a few weeks ago and I was quite surprised that, of course, they don't have the same mask situation we have in Brisbane. So even I was quite surprised at that mindset. It felt like a different mindset. Mm. So it's hard to get audiences behaving the way you want them to uh, when you don't have the obvious incentive. But to me, what's happened with COVID and trying to get people to comply with different orders to get vaccinated. It has been the most interesting project in audience engagement that you could ever hope to see. And we're not at the end of it yet. So no. I'll be very interested in the numbers that go to Bunnings this weekend yeah. to get their vaccinations. And also very interested in the demographics of those people. I'm not sure they'll give those demographics out, but I'd be interested to know what sort of age groups are going there. Absolutely, yeah. Now, the Week in Review... If you live in the southeast Queensland, it's been hard to get away from the fact we're going to have a new team in the National Rugby League, the Dolphins, be whatever they may be called, but it'll be the something Dolphins. They're the 17th team and they've had huge publicity this week. One thing I wanted to talk about in the Week in Review was the media strategy of the three competing bids for this. There was the Dolphins, the Brisbane Firehawks, and also the Jets from the Western Corridor. And one thing I looked at trying to see how these groups approached media, because media were very interested in their stories, was the way that they did that. And it became very clear right the way through that the Dolphins would not be engaged on anything to do with who their coach may be or who their players may be. The other two... Bids seem to be more willing to engage in who their prospective um, targets may be. But the Dolphins kept their conversation on their financial base at Redcliffe, a very strong base, and also a conversation about their catchment. Now, I think it was a very smart move from the Dolphins. Now, we've seen the coverage about Wayne Bennett being a prospective coach in the last few days since they were let in on Wednesday, the announcement was made, and now they're moving into that phase of it. But I was very interested by the fact that they kept it in their own way to those strengths and didn't move into the other areas. Now, it's I understand why other franchises make, because it's so tempting, because in the end, people want to know, what's your name going to be? What are your colours going to be? Where are you going to play out of? Who's going to be a coach? Who's going to be a player? So yeah. I get all that. I get it. But sometimes you've actually got to do things in media strategy that position you in your best way. And the biggest thing you have to do is hold steady. You cannot deviate from that if you believe that is the best way. So I just give full credit to the Dolphins 
for the way that they did that and for the way that they ensured that they didn't get brought into those discussions until they wanted to. Now, I have no doubt behind the scenes they've done a lot of work because it's very hard to get up and running now. They, they will be training as a squad in about a year and two weeks' time. Mm-hmm. They've got to put a squad together from scratch. I'm sure they've worked behind the scenes, but credit to them for the way that they did that. They held the line and you saw the traffic this week. It would have been massive traffic would have been tempting so anyway that's my um, thoughts on that now there's been a really interesting story this week that uh, hasn't got much airplay but I reckon it's fascinating it's about uh, the use of cookies and how that may impact on the upcoming midterm elections in the US cookies I don't mean things that we eat but (laughs) Jordan talk us through what this story is about so this story is about uh, the political uh, campaigns being concerned about how they're going to reach voters now that cookies are phasing out, at least for Google, uh, and already have stopped for other web browsers. So if you don't know what cookies are, they're a part of your everyday uh, browser life. But Jordan, what are they? So they're, they're personal identifiers that your online activity generates each time you visit a website. And that information goes to advertisers. So if I was shopping for a dinner table, uh, all that, all, every website I visit for the dinner table, there's going to be some information that advertisers can get. So then if you go to Facebook, then you might see some ads on your right-hand side there of, of uh, dinner, dinner tables. Uh, and so that's essentially what cookies do. And I guess over time, these are things that advertisers love, but over time it's a bit like the climate change debate and sustainability with the environment. People have had enough of that from a privacy viewpoint, haven't they? So the announcement was made early last year that there'd be a phase-out with Google, the last of the big ones to come to it. Yeah, yeah. So Google announced that uh, they would phase out cookies from their Google Chrome browser by 2022. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty uh, big announcement because Google Chrome commands about two-thirds of the internet traffic. Um, Mozilla Firefox... And Safari have all stopped already, but Google has chosen to phase it out and instead produce a product replacement for advertisers. So what do you think that means for not just the midterm elections in the US, which is the focus of some of the reporting this week, but also an upcoming federal election in Australia? How's it going to change uh, the way that we're engaged? I think um, advertisers are going to have to work out different ways to find out where we are operating online. The way that Google's heading with their uh, change to cookies, it'll start classifying us as cohorts or groups of interest. So my personal browser will store the information that I've visited this website to buy this table, look at this table. But to advertisers, all it's gonna say is I'm interested in kitchen, kitchenware or furniture and then they're going to advertise to me that way so it's it's less specific so they're going to have to figure out alternatives to find that information and retarget again and one of the winners out of that can then be what's known as connected tv that can be one of the winners because we are watching connected tv in massive numbers so that's the way that maybe um political parties have to find out where that is and that seems like something that's maybe going to go from not even a player in the most recent election campaigns to being something on connected TV that you're going to see a bit of. Yeah, absolutely. Connected TV is is a great is a great channel for the, particularly the uh, political campaigns to look at because 
the connected TVs are all things we've chosen to connect with. They have great engagement levels on that. Um, so the 2022 midterm will be the first campaign cycle that connected television uh, will take a big chunk of the political ad spend um, while the digital agencies look for other ways to get their, reach their voters again. So what it's also another example of that power of the consumer in the sense that ever since social media really came about, smartphones came in as well, the power has gone to the consumer. So it used to be that you may be too young to remember this, Jordan, but you'd have to watch the 6pm news to find out how the day was going um, because you didn't have the news updates as the day went on. So you were dictated to by how you received your news. You had to watch it when it was on rather yeah. than choose it when you felt like it. Now we can choose that when we feel like it. Um, and we've got the confidence of having our voice heard on social media. So we're very used to uh, having people hear our voice. So that's given us confidence and it's given us the power that belongs to consumers. Let me watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. Yep. And now it's another move here for political advertisers to go and find their audience because their audience isn't sitting there ready to be smacked over the head. That's it. That's exactly right. Okay, so things to come this week. Well, one of my very few TV recommendations because you know that I'm not the expert on TV, but Succession Season 3 resumes on Monday, I think, um, okay. on uh, wherever you find Succession, which is one of my favourite. I'll have to go and watch the last episode because it's been a while so I can refresh my memory. Refresh the brain. Anything coming up for you uh, viewing-wise or uh, podcast-wise? Nothing too exciting. The girlfriend and I do have a guilty pleasure of watching some rubbish reality TV. So we'll be watching Selling Sunset on Netflix, all about uh, real estate in in the LA Hills. Okay. <laughs> It'll be me this weekend. See the power of the consumer. Watch That's what it. you want to watch, when you want to watch it. Enjoy that. Have a great week wherever you are, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Michael.